Welcome back. This is part two of the podcast with Antonio. We are speaking about data poisoning attacks in specific. And if you've not listened to the first part of the podcast, I'd recommend you to go and listen to that. There are very interesting nuances that Antonio speaks about in that. And we're going to be discussing further in terms of what are the practical implications, what are the unaddressed open issues in the current context. We're going to be speaking about both the text-based algorithms and also image-based algorithms. So let's get on with it. Antonio, thanks for joining in again. And I just want to extend the conversation that we had to to understand more about, okay, we've spoken about the piece that, yes, some machine learning models have adversarial issues. They're not always robust. There is an exploit that can happen. It is not just that the exploit happens from the model itself. It can happen from the, the pipeline or it can happen in the posterior actions that are taken. We also spoke about the models being impacted because of wisely crafted kind of attacks where the user does not have any touch point to the model itself. Now, I wanted to get to a couple of questions in this. Question number one is that I think the adversarial attacks approach focuses more on minimal touch point for creating minimal perturbation, minimal touch point to have an impact or to have an attack. Okay. Do you see that phenomenon changing with, or there's a need for that to change at this point in time? That's the first question. The second question is, how do you see the practical implications of these changes? How is what's happening with the reality in terms of robustness in machine learning security? Okay, cool. Actually, I would like to give you an answer that will somehow connect the two questions if possible. So, of course, there are pe- so people now, so researchers now, until now, was so there was this idea on adversarial machine learning community that you want to constrain the attack based on somehow the so-called LP norm constraint. So you want to perturb an image, minimizing as much as possible the, the magnitude, okay, or the, the norm of the noise that you are going to inject into this image, for example. Okay, so right regarding the, the image domain. Unfortunately, this is not actually what we really care in practice. So in practice, we in some as in some scenarios, it's not always true that you want to find the minimum perturbation. In some scenarios, you would just to evade. Okay, you don't care about the fact that the noise that you are putting is just on one pixel or in ten pixels or stuff like this. Okay. So you want, of course, your target is exactly the machine learning model. Okay. Of course, is there is is if, if we are expecting to have human supervision in front of that, then of course we need to think about invisible perturbation, stuff like this. Okay. But then at this point, I don't know what is the meaning of having, for example, a human in front of a machine learning system that detects if the sample is correct or not, because we are using a machine learning model as a substitute of the as a substitute of the human. Okay. Humans, yeah. So this is something that this is something that we need to take care about. Okay. In some in some scenarios, this is practically considerable. This is considered, especially when discussing on digital application domains. Okay. But not all. This is not always reflect the practical vulnerability of the so the practical scenarios. Okay, so nowadays there is this idea or this search for establishing a threat model, which is somehow more semantically close to the physical world. Okay, 
So the fact that, for example, we want to find the adversarial perturbation that I can print, okay, and that I can, for example, wear. Okay, so I would like to, to find an adversarial perturbation that has the shape of a sunglasses, okay, and that I can, I, I can print that. And this perturbation somehow is robust with respect to possible light condition, weather conditions that may influence the real world. Okay. Okay. Now, so now the test is more about then we are actually moving from process to a scenario, right? So where we are saying that I want to create examples in a manner, adversarial examples in a manner that it is able to withstand itself across scenarios so that the implications of variations in that scenarios does not necessarily affect the extent of coverage that these examples can bring onto the table. Actually, this is always the case where, for example, as we were saying with uh, with Thai, it's not always that people follow this idea of, of exploiting the gradient in order to craft the tweets that are going to be used for training. Another example, for example, another example is the spam filter hard race. So we know that in the past, people were realizing the first spam filter also using machine learning. Okay. And the first idea for the attacker was to just avoid the usage of, of the tokens that were associated to the spam to the spam classification. Okay. Of course, the defense then the the, the spam filter then have been proved. Okay. But then the second evolution for the attacker was to not put the the the, the message as a token in the email, but just put the message in an image of the email. Okay. And while keeping the, the message as clean as possible. Okay. So, you know, there is this arm race between attacker and defender, the, the, the attacker and the defender. And this is not always the case that the attacker is going to exploit, for example, as, as we said before, the, the mag is not constrained to the magnitude of the North Zero, stuff like this. So, this is not always the practical case. Perfect. Understand. Okay. This actually takes me to another scenario. Okay. What is the real real world scenario of data poisoning and how are organizations handling it? What's your perspective of it from the survey and research that you've conducted? Oh, I see that. As we said before, there are some different cases, different scenarios where data poisoning happen. I remember also some practical cases, as we said, yeah, spam filter is one of the case. So you, 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 you poison the model before it is deployed and given to the user. Other case what was exactly chat, the, the chat, the Thai chatbot. There was also an ethical implication between the CNN in the past and Trump supporters. So where the Trump supporters was given bad score to the, uh, to the CNN app in iOS and Google. And at that time, then if you start giving very low stars to the, to the, to the app, then of course your ranking in the in this store is going to to decrease, and then of course you as a Google or you as an Apple you have to take some decisions. Do you want to remove all the feedbacks with the risk to remove valid feedbacks, or do you want to don't you, you are not going to remove the feedbacks? So with the idea that probably somehow you are you are against Trump, so there may be some politics politics issues with that. Okay, so. We of, but by the way, so what we are seeing in the, in, in the research literature of poisoning, by the way, are some open issues that are going to limit, are going to li are limiting, for example, the impact of data of data poisoning 
in in the industry yeah, it's brilliant. You, know, you you just mentioned about open issues. I want to know more about the open issues. What kind of open issues that you see are there, prominent open issues, and what's happening in that particular space? Oh, the first... <laughs> nice. Oh, the, the nice first open issue is that uh, as it related to the economical perspective of training such bot. So if we continue producing machine learning models that require huge data and require huge computational capabilities then of course we also increase this idea that we need third-party companies or third-party services that will take care of our training or we'll need to use other machine learning models for or other data repositories that for you know for somehow augmenting our data okay so this is the first problem issue the, the the first open issue that we have so the heavy increase in demanding of machine learning is fostering the development of of data posing on the other side there is also another problem with respect to the defenses because nowadays we don't have reliable defenses against stealthy poisoning attacks okay so the problem is that some of the some of the attacks follow some heuristics like the idea that you can use a yellow sticker okay on the bottom left of your image okay bottom left corner of your image and there are people that have developed very nice offenses against such kind of attacks okay but of course there are attacks that are still here and, and the defense against that against them is not easy at all okay so nowadays there are not even reliable defenses for defending against such kind of attacks and the third open challenge is that <clears throat> nowadays is missing a benchmark for really evaluating the robustness of a given machine learning model. So I want to test the robustness of the want to test the robustness, okay, and the reliability of my model before deploying that in the in the production in the production server. Okay. So nowadays there are not a, there are no reliable benchmark for evaluating the, these models. Mm some of the so there are some approaches there are some works that try to do um, that are proposing some some simple benchmark but they rely on attacks that are somehow are based on some heuristics and they are not always optimal okay so you test the you, you benchmark your model based on some heuristics but then and you, then you will find that for example your model is robust against such heuristics okay but you don't know if for example your model is going to be robust against most stealthy or or optimal attacks. This is so awesome that you're able to put together the pieces of open issues very clearly. The last point that I have is, are there any anything that you think you should think about um, with reference to adversary learning? Is there some point of view that you want to share? That, that last point of view is something that I want to hear from you before we end our podcast. Yeah, sure. Actually, I have two points, one from the attacker perspective, one from the defender perspective, actually. So from the attacker's perspective, I see that there are some, and we also reported this in our paper, I see that works where they assume, for example, unreliable or unrealistic assumption. So they propose attacks for which it's their application is unknown. So we don't know where, where this kind of assumption are going to be making practice. For example, we have attacks that assume that the attacker can control uh, the, the entire training data set. But of course, stage, staging such kind of attack is quite easy, okay? But you don't know actually where this can apply in reality, okay? 
So somehow yeah. we need to, as, as, a, as an attacker point of view, we need to enforce the community in trying to find attack or novel attacks where the assumption for the attacker is less favorable. Okay. And of course, yeah. the taking the taking consideration also the, the amount of time that for the attacker is required for staging the attack. So this is the first question that we have to. Yep. So this is the first point for you know incentivizing the community in going beyond what we have nowadays. And from the perspective from the perspective of the defense, there it's always the case. Sometimes the case where we have the works that propose a defense. And they and they propose their defense against only a specific heuristic strategy, heuristic approach. Okay, but no one is trying, or just a few of them is trying to address the problem with an optimal way. Okay, so find a defense that will be that will target the optimal attack. Okay, I have the idea that you probably I'm wrong, but at this life it is idea that if you are going to make your model robust against the optimal attack, okay, then you are probably going to make your model robust also against probably less optimal attacks. So you want to make your model as stronger as possible against the worst case attack that your model can encounter. Okay. And then of course you may, you may test that you are robust also in the, in the, in the best condition for the defender. Nowadays I see that defender are thinking to have a static heuristic attack. So they have, okay, I would like to defend my model against a yellow sticker. Okay, it's quite, it's cool that you found a way to, 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 to defend your model against such kind of attacks, but the, these, there are other ways for fooling such models. For example, using invisible, invisible, invisible triggers that spawn on the entire image. So this is also another way for fooling the model. Okay, so mitigating, punishing the influence of the defense. So somehow defender, defender should think that attacks and defense is an embrace. So we need to somehow attack models, okay, in a in, in, in a favorable way for the attacker. So favorable in terms of co computational costs, okay, but less with assuming as little access as possible to the target model, okay. And for the defender perspective, we should make the defense robust against the adaptivity of the attack. So if I propose an attack, a defense which is robust against the sticker, I should take care in consideration that the attacker may, for example, evolve its strategy and think about an invisible trigger that spun on the entire image. Awesome. Super. This is so wonderful. I'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation and uh, some of the points that you've brought in are very, very insightful, Antonio. I have to tell you that listeners are going to have a great time listening to this. Thanks a lot for joining this podcast and sharing your insights. Thank you to you, Tsundar. It was a pleasure for me. Thank See you. you.